welcome everyone to another episode of the Dine Sports Podcast on the Dine Sports Podcast Network. Today, we're going to be breaking down all things hoops. We're going to be joined by special guest commissioner of the CEBL, Mike Morreale, as they prepare to launch their new season this month. Lots of growth, lots of expansion going on there. So we have an in-depth conversation with him, just getting a state of the union, where they're at, what their future plans are, what fans can expect heading into year four for the Canadian Elite Basketball League. And I've got to give Mike his props. He certainly must be a good poker player because we spoke with him Thursday morning. And then Thursday afternoon was when the news broke that J. Cole was signing with the Scarborough Shooting Stars of the CEBL. And as the commissioner of the league, when you're bringing in a Grammy Award winning, internationally acclaimed rap artist, there's no way that he wasn't aware of what Scarborough was putting together and some of the talks that they were having and all of that. And he did not lead on anything whatsoever. So kudos to Mike. I would hate to be sitting across a card table from him because uh, he certainly kept that one close to the vest. But as if the 2022 CEBL season wasn't already exciting enough, they've got three new expansion franchises joining the league this year. They're finally now after God knows how many restrictions and bubbles, capacity limits, and all the other things that they've had to go through the last two years are now getting fans back for what is hopefully going to be a restriction-free season. They've seen a ton of growth on the media side, social media side, ticket sales, fan engagement, just about any metric you could throw out there. They are trending in the right direction, which is phenomenal to see not only for Canadian basketball, but grassroots basketball as well, because all of these franchises are very connected to their communities. They do a lot of great work, getting players out, meeting, greeting fans, interacting with local youth basketball associations, doing drop-ins, special events, promos, you name it. So these are all great things. They're all trending in the right direction. Now you go and bring in someone with the star power, someone with the clout of a J. Cole who, you know, is sitting courtside at NBA All-Star Weekends. He's helping Dwight Howard do dunk contest stuff. He's dapping up Dwayne Wade and Gabriel Union on the sidelines. He's got sold out tours around the world. A very, very influential person in the rap and hip hop community. And now he is now coming in to join what essentially still amounts to a startup league because this really is year four that the CEB is launching right now in 2022 and you can just feel the buzz of that announcement already i mean mike and i discuss it a little bit in our interview there but this this is a league who has been publicly griping about like you know why isn't tsn or the sports nets of the world putting together highlight packages and there's a litany of reasons for that that we get into but they're struggling to get some of that national recognition and then this announcement drops yesterday and it's now an international news story that J. Cole is going to be playing for the Scarborough Shooting Stars of the Canadian Elite Basketball League. This story got picked up by CBC, by Sportsnet, TSN, Complex, Yahoo, Sporting News, ESPN, CBS, you name it. Like all the major players, Shams is tweeting about it. The talking head shows are already discussing it. Like this is huge to raise the profile of this league because as someone who has been to several of these games like the level of basketball that you get to see out there is really really high level and we're not talking about you know 
grabbing whatever local stars that never quite made it like these are professionals that are playing year round in the top leagues across the world they're graduating players to the nba they're graduating players to the g league they're former div one players like this is high high level stuff that's going on so to get that platform and that visibility that a j cole will bring because i can guarantee you right scarborough it's in the gta J. Cole is going to be playing. At some point, I, I would be shocked if we didn't see some sort of highlight package of Drake being courtside at a Shooting Stars game, watching his buddy play professional basketball. Like all of these things will only serve this league well. So for the naysayers out there who might say, you know, oh, okay, J. Cole, that's great, you know, but let's face facts here. He's 37 years old. He's coming off a basketball Africa league stint where he got into three games. He averaged 1.7 points, 1.7 rebounds, and one assist a game in 15 and a half minutes a night. Most points he ever scored in a professional game was three. So for those that are expecting him to instantly come in and, you know, drop 35 a night might be a little bit lofty expectations there but even if he's a role player even if he's just on the bench even if he just goes out there and does shoot arounds and then never sees the court again this is house money the cebl is playing with right now and frankly will serve not only scarborough well in their inaugural season in the cebl selling tickets selling jerseys merchandise getting a buzz in that city but it'll also raise the profile of the entire league itself i can guarantee you just like we saw when he went over there for the patriots bbc in the basketball africa league the first game that he played on may 16th 2021 didn't light it up three points three rebounds two assists 18 minutes of playing time but they still threw together a 30 second highlight package of him on espn so it opened on sports center to millions of audiences around the world. So we're now exposing people who might never have even heard of the CEBL to the talent and the amazing things that they've got going on there. And I mean, I know we said 37 years old, didn't have a super impressive stint over in the BBC, but you talk to anyone who has watched this guy and he is literally pouring thousands of shots a day in gyms and really taking this seriously this isn't a publicity stunt for him this is someone who genuinely had skill he was a walk-on player at saint john's ultimately ended up pursuing his music career instead of basketball but you know this isn't a celebrity with just delusions of grandeur here who's desperately trying to cling on to something like this is someone who legitimately has skill might be getting a little bit up there in age but could actually play a little bit of a role on this team so do I expect him to go out there and win league MVP? No. But do I expect him to do great things in that community, help get an expansion franchise up off the ground, probably become the number one jersey seller in the entire league? Because even if you don't have a vested interest in the Scarborough Shooting Stars necessarily, there'll probably be some people out there who go and order a J. Cole jersey just to wear it around. So this is a phenomenal move by the CEBL. And if it gets more eyeballs on the league and they can take longer looks at some of the players who have legitimate shots at cracking an NBA roster, who the league has done a pretty good job of sending several players to go up and not only just sit on a bench, but get into games and play meaningful minutes. You know, a Xavier Moon, a Xavier Sneed, Lindell Wigginton, Cat Barber. These are players that fans have actually seen play in the CEBL that are now, you either just coming off a season where they got NBA minutes 
or they were on the practice squad or they got signed a 10 day contract. So they made it to the G league. Like these are guys who are knocking on the door of becoming one of the best basketball players on planet earth, because it doesn't matter if you're a starter or the last person on that bench, the last person on the bench in the NBA is better than 99.9% of the basketball players in the entire world. So kudos to the league. Kudos to Mike Morreale and the leadership team out there. Kudos to the Scarborough Shooting Stars for putting this all together. All great things coming together for Canada basketball and the CEBL and what's going to be a very exciting 2022 season coming up. So without further ado, let's get into it with our sit-down interview with CEBL Commissioner Mike Morreale. Joining us today on the podcast, we have Commissioner of the CEBL, Mike Morreale. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing well. And just for the people watching, I'm not driving. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm parked here. I'm just, uh, I'm running out of places to talk. So this is what's going to happen today, out of the car. Yeah, we, we can see in the background that tree isn't moving. So you are very good. stationary right now. So that's good. But season four, just around the corner. And that's probably why you're on the road right now is you've got a lot of things to do between now and tip off because 100 games on the schedule this year and a lot of growth you guys have seen. We'll, we'll get to the you know expansion of the actual league itself in a moment. But just from a commissioner standpoint, from year one to leading up to tip off right now, what have been some of the real growth things that you've seen and how the league has changed since it first started up as a startup, really? Well, I, you know, I think we had high aspirations when we started and we, we really believed in what we were doing and who we were and our plans to grow. Um, we've kind of, you know, passed our expectations, I would say, um, the initial ones, but, you know, we always try to keep, okay, just slightly under the goals and keep raising the bar and, um, and certainly we've done a really good job attracting the attention of basketball fans. There's still a lot more work to do, but in terms of being a startup league in 2019, uh, suffering under two years of COVID uh, when the world went dark and just, you know, fighting and clawing our way to, to where we are now um, at 10 teams at, you know, the biggest league in the country, um, graduating players to the NBA, adding just incredible high level talent. Uh, you know, it's 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 been really encouraging. And now it just really changes the focus in some respects in terms of where we go next. So, you know, you know, in terms of viewership is up, followers are up uh, across all our platforms. Uh, we're attracting better players, we're attracting better coaches, better agents. Um, we're becoming a destination that we hope to be. And we're we're you know, now, again, we have to go out and do it. We have to perform both on and off the court and um but I'm excited about where we are now, but of course I'm looking towards where we need to go next. Well, you bring up a great point as well too, right? Because obviously the last two years have been hard on even you know, well-established institutions that have been around for decades, let alone a startup that's just starting to get you know its feet under it. What do you sort of attribute to the ability for the league to not only survive the last two years of you know being in bubbles and not having full attendance and restrictions and all of that, but also thriving to the point where you guys are adding teams to the league and whatnot? I just think it speaks to the people we have um, on the court, off the court, on the bench. Um, certainly from a league office perspective and a team perspective, we, we have asked our, our employees to do a lot and put them in uncomfortable situations that nobody had been in before, especially under COVID, and, and they thrived. So, 
that in many ways gave them a lot of excitement and, and uh, confidence going into this season. Um, you know, there's bumps and bruises along the way. There's a lot of long hours and a lot of sleepless nights, but um, you know, that that's encouraging. We've just stuck to the game plan. We know who we are. Um, we took step by step and, you know, we're reaping a bit of the results right now and, and there's lots more to come. But, you know, as we sit here right now, we are about to launch year four across the country from coast to coast uh, with three new teams. And I, I never would have imagined it, quite frankly, and, and uh, at least the, the pace of the growth and fighting through what we've had to fight through. I imagine this in, in our planning, but um, to do it under these circumstances has been special. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, last time we talked, you had said your end goal was to truly become a coast to coast league. And with the addition of three additional franchises this year, you guys truly are from Atlantic to Pacific right now and 10 teams. Are, are you guys starting to inch closer towards that maybe magic number that you had in your head as far as that target number of franchises that you really feel comfortable operating with? Or is this something where you guys are just going to expand until you get up to 20, 30 teams cross go like, have you had those internal discussions as far as what that sweet spot number might look like in the future? Yeah, for me, that's that sweet spots in 14 to 16 um, and placed in certain markets that allow us to go into a divisional model of a West, Central and East. So we need some more teams in the West. We need some more teams in the East. Centrally, you know, in Southern Ontario, we're good. I don't think Mm -hmm. you're going to see us add too many teams there. There's certainly interest, but we want to be cognizant of the fact you can't have all Ontario-based teams. Mm-hmm. Um, and that allows us to go divisional, create rivalries, or, you know, rivalries already exist in some of those uh, instances, whether if we had a Calgary, you know, they're going head-to-head with Edmonton. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's, it's a really interesting point because we can see that growth. We have to manage where we're at now. But, you know, if we get to that point, we're able to go to divisional model, like I said, which allows us to play more games and more games means more paychecks for the players. It means more opportunities for us and fans to, to watch our basketball. And, um, and that's really important. Well, even as a league, obviously adding teams to the league and they're seeing growth that way, but from an international standpoint, you guys also just recently took part in the BCL Americas as well too. So for those that are listening who number one might not know what the BCL Americas are, but number two, what are even some of the takeaways that you guys had from going and participating in this tournament and seeing some of the talent that these other top leagues around North, South and Central America are fielding out there? Yeah, so for those that don't know, the BCL Americas are the Champions League of Americas um, under FIBA. So they are um, the best, uh, currently 12, but it looks like it may go to 16 league champions out of North, Central, and South America, like you mentioned. And it all culminates in the winner um, of the Champions League of Americas, then goes on to play in the Intercontinental Cup against the winner of the G League, the winner of Basketball Africa, and the winner of Basketball Champions League of Europe. So it's a, it's a big um opportunity it's one that we participate in for the first time our Edmonton team as past champions were represented we had uh, a few you know CBL players from other teams uh, form it it was a great learning experience it was an incredible experience in general going down and playing we had to play in Nicaragua a couple times Uh, we were in a grouping with uh, Nicaragua and Puerto Rico so we brought them up here to Calgary Uh, ended off our pool at three and three tied for first and lost out on points uh, which was, you know, again, a learning 
curve, right? We, we, you know, you give up a couple points here, one game, and it really comes back to haunt you because one of the teams that advanced out of our pool, the Nicaragua team, we beat them two games to one. But based on point differential, we kind of, we were watching the final eight. But it was a, it was incredible experience to go there and represent Canada and represent the CBL and, and the Edmonton Stingers. It was so amazing to bring those teams to Canada especially we tried out a new market in Calgary and that was really encouraging. Um, but to see the level of talent, what I learned most is we can compete. I think we can win the whole darn thing. Now that we have a taste for it, we're far more athletic. We're far younger. They, the teams we played against are far more grizzled veterans. So it's a, it's a bit of a different game. It's a tough game. They, and many times they just outplayed us as a team because they've been together longer um some cases they physical us, but when we kind of got our feet underneath us we said okay let's just play our game you know we're very athletic we can be physical but we can outrun players and we can unroute you know make things happen play above the rim so that was really cool it was a it was great to be involved in the international scene on in basketball through FIBA because that is where the game is going it's a global game so um, that will continue to grow. Our champion this year will represent the CBL moving forward. And uh, we're just waiting on what that schedule will look like, but it'll probably be a late October, early November start through to, to March. So it really complements our season as well. And it gets uh, extra playing time and extra paychecks for our players and keeps us together and keeps the CBL in the news. Mm-hmm. So all around, it's uh, it's very cool. It's, it's very comparable to the Champions League in soccer. Um, so you know how big those competitions are. So we're we're excited to go back again. Yeah, I was going to say, it's for those that maybe have a soccer background there, very similar to that model over there as well, too. But you mentioned bringing some of the players from South America up to Calgary and testing out a new market and all that. Like, Did you get a chance to speak to some of the, whether it was players, coaches, management for some of these other teams, and just what was their impression of the format of coming to Canada and how far even just Canada basketball has come in the last decade? Because this is something that you rewind a few years, like Canada wasn't involved in these things. So what was their sort of takeaway from uh, not only year one of CEBL being involved, but also your ability to host and grow the game as well up north here? Well, I think we initially... You know, surprised a few people. We won our first game of the VCLAs in Nicaragua, you know, against the Nicaraguan team against, with 5,000 flag-waving people and flares going off and all that stuff. And uh, they were the runners-up last year in, in the final eight of the Americas. So that was a huge kind of experience. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, that was one part of it to kind of show what we're all about somewhere else. But when we brought these players home and brought the Puerto Rican team and, and Nicaraguan team here, they were blown away. I mean, they just especially for a lot of Nicaraguans. I don't think they've seen tall buildings and, and, and all this stuff. It's a different way of life, right, uh, in Central America. So they love the experience. Um, you know, FIBA itself and the people we work with there were, were so gracious and so complimentary of how we operate, how we run to the point where they want us to help even talk to some of the leagues, you know, in Central and South America about the operations and how we do things from a professional perspective. Um, you know, the, the city of Calgary was a great host. Um, the fans were awesome for not having a team there and for, um, you know, it being new, it, it, it was well attended and loud and exciting. And we, we pulled off our two wins at home. So we went two and zero at home and that was, that was really important. So I think we've, we've shown that on the court, we can be very, very strong. 
and off the court, we're, we're probably one of the stronger organizations out there. Well, another important partnership that you guys have really been developing over the years is your partnership with the U Sport system as well, too. And you guys just recently wrapped up, obviously, your 2022 U Sport draft, two round affair this year. What has been the feedback that you've gotten from the players who have gotten the opportunity to get drafted by these teams, train with them all summer, and then actually go and return to their U Sport teams? Like, has there been any feedback from the coaches as far as, like, my God, like, if I could send all my players to you guys, I would? Like, what? What's that relationship and that growth sort of been like so far? It's been great. I mean, that, that partnership is um, has paid dividends on both sides. I, I think it's the right thing to do, which is why it makes sense. Um, certainly the best compliment we get is our players that play on our pro teams go back and just kill it. Yeah. And they just, they just play like professionals and they got more confidence and the game slows down and you see them becoming league MVPs or, or tournament MVPs or final eight MVPs. Um, so that's kind of the proof uh, mm-hmm. right there. Um, certainly they're talented enough already. That's why they get drafted by our teams, but that extra little bit of, of playing time, that the increased level of competition, the travel, the, the just being prepared and, and practicing and everything that comes with being a pro has to pay off and, and it certainly has uh you know we even though we we draft only 20 some odd players a year you know we we sign as free agents many more to come to training camps some stick around some stick on practice roster so it never really ends and it's a deeper pool than than what's there same with the ccaa guys out of college we don't have a formal relationship with them but we still have players that come and play for us and and that's the developmental piece um but some of our teams, you know, they do an incredible job selecting their U sports players to the point where they could be on the active roster and getting a lot of minutes. Um, you know, it's it we've seen it happen over the years, and I think it'll continue to happen this year too. Yeah, and I mean, you mentioned coverage there as well too right like coverage is obviously a huge thing for any sports league whether it's U sports and how they don't get the same shine necessarily as even ncaa players do domestically here or you guys and you know much has been made of the fact that number one you guys have a fantastic partnership with cbc sports but when it comes to some of the maybe highlight packages for, you know, a TSN, the score, Sportsnet or whatever. Here you guys are one of the largest domestic leagues in Canada here, and they can't even, you know, put together a quick highlight package or something the next morning, right? Like, have we had any of those conversations with the executives at these sports stations? And what's sort of been, I guess, their feedback as far as the missing piece, so to speak, for them to start actually giving some coverage like they do, whether it's, you know, NFL, NBA, NHL, whatever the case might be. Well, I, I'm definitely working on it. It's been something <laughs> that I have uh, not held back in my thoughts and feelings publicly and, and in private with these groups. Um, but, you know, I understand their business um, enough to know that sometimes it takes something else to happen or it just takes time um so i i am far more um excited today than i was three or four years ago when we couldn't get a highlight and couldn't get a, a ticker and couldn't get that and and the, you know they still have to prove to me that it, it will happen going forward but you know we just uh had tsn and the shift put a 14 minute you know feature on us that they released yesterday Mm-hmm. that's new right that's that's you know tsn stepping up and saying hey, we want some coverage Sportsnet has done a lot of uh picked up a lot of coverage as our players went to the nba and and, and some stories certainly cbc um as our as our host broadcaster 
carries all our games, but I'm starting to feel that, you know, we've made an impression to the point where we're getting the attention. It's always comes down to dollars and cents and rights when you talk with these big groups, right? Because they, they have purchased rights to whether it's a CFL or on TSN or it's, um, you know, it's the Blue Jays on Rogers. So that, that's their priority and they're going to do that first. But I, I have a feeling we're starting to make some inroads. Our, our contract with CBC is up at the end of the season. We've already started negotiating course back with them, but also looking at other broadcasters, including Sportsnet, TSN and, and other international groups because we know we can deliver. We know the product that we have. We know where our players come from. We know that we can provide, you know, at this point, 107 games and great content, and that will grow over time. So it's coming. Um, I'll reserve my judgment a little bit to see how it, it happens this year, but I feel, I feel like we're making some inroads. And all that matters is that we keep doing our, our job right. And if you do it, you know, the little thing's right things tend to go in your direction. So I'll continue to do that. One of the other things that's kind of been kicked around on social media, and I think maybe you even had a, a little bit of an illusion of a tweet to it there as well, too, is actually the women's side of the game as well, too, right? Big, obvious, hot topic right now is WNBA is talking potential expansion franchises. Maybe Toronto gets one. Who knows? Don't want to put the cart before the horse here or anything like that. But does the CEBL have any plans to dip its toes into the women's game and put together kind of a similar model to what you're doing on the men's side? of things right now for the ladies and if so is that something that's you know five years down the line 10 years down the line next season like what kind of timelines have you guys had on those maybe preliminary discussions if you've even had them at this point well certainly us uh, in Canada basketball see the tremendous value that having a domestic women's league would have I mean we've seen now what we're able to do on the men's side uh, the talent we're producing the fact that you know 12 of the 14 or 16 guys that play in the um, you know, the senior men's national team, when the NBA guys aren't playing, all play in the CBL. Um, you know, our women are ranked fourth or fifth in the world, and they only practice together weeks a year. And yeah. so imagine what would happen if you're able to get the ladies back on a court, competing at home, building their brand, playing collectively. Um, only good things can happen. So we've built the framework. The framework is there. That framework can easily be used and utilized uh, for a women's league. Um, certainly Canada basketball, like I said, understands it. It comes down to dollars and cents. It really does. You know, we didn't have a business plan when we set up the CBL to have a, a, a women's side. We see the value in it, but we need to have partners and whether they're community partners or private entities really help us get there. I think it can be equally successful. I think we can accomplish everything we want to. Um, and it, and I, I would hope that would be within the five years. I, I really would, maybe sooner. Uh, the WNBA you know, when they expand, my gut is they're going to probably expand in the U.S. first over the next couple of years. But if it does come to Toronto, that's fantastic. It really does what the Raptors did, and that's raised the popularity. But it only can have so many Canadian women that play on it, right? It's not going to grow the game from a developmental point of view. You know, a, a domestic league will do that. And uh, I'm hoping that we can continue to make some steps forward on that. And there's been a lot of great women that I've spoken to, uh, both ex-players and current players, that really are excited about making this happen and are working on their own to try and make this happen. Uh, and I'm certainly there to help and, and hopefully, you know, partner with as we get closer. 
Yeah. And again, you know, we, we, we don't want to make any promises or anything like that here, but is this something where you look at how the WNBA kind of partnered up with the NBA and a lot of the owners that own, you know, the Washington Mystics also own the Washington Wizards and stuff like that. So w- would it be a similar model if it were to actually happen, you know, a, a women's CEBL league where let's just use our hometown Ottawa Blackjacks as an example here, would there be sort of a male and a female funnel or would you be kind of looking to actually go into pockets that you don't even have a CEBL franchise to bring a women's team to a new venue or market or something like that. I'll never say never. I I don't know. I think, I think combining them with our, our men's team and the infrastructure we have in place from a team perspective and operations just makes sense. Um, I don't know if you can turn around and have 10 women's teams immediately. I think you would start probably a little bit smaller and you Mm -hmm. would work your way towards it. You want to make sure you're attracting as many talented um, women as possible. And they're certainly out there. Um, You know, we started with six teams. We grew to seven. Now we're at 10. We know that the um, talent base of Canadian players is so deep. We can go to 30 teams if we wanted to. I mean, what's coming in the next five, 10, 15, 20 years is incredible. Um, So on the women's side, we have to do more research to make sure that that we can accomplish that. But, but certainly I think the alignment with our existing teams makes the most sense. And um, that may change if different, you know, private people get involved or owners get involved. There may be new markets that open that are independent of that. But um, I'd, I'd like to see it grow alongside our existing teams because we can certainly help it grow. For sure. Now, getting back to the CEBL 2022 season, Knock on every piece of wood around us here. There's not going to be any more restrictions or 17th wave or whatever we're up to here. It's just going to be a nice normal season. What are you looking forward to the most as far as, you know, getting the fans back to the game in 2022 here? What kind of atmosphere can someone who's never been to a CEBL game expect when they step foot into an arena for the first time this season? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I'm looking so forward to some sort of normalcy and, and fans coming back and cheering. And if they wear a mask, great. And if they don't wear a mask, great. Let's just get, let's just get after it. Um, you know, you're going to, you're going to get, get a, a tremendous level of basketball on the court. I mean, it is, you know, I, every year we get better and, and last year we were tremendous and this year we'll be even better with the talent and there's more, more teams and, and more players to see and, and, um, but it's also the entertainment package. So you're going to come to a CBL game. The expectation is you are entertained every minute that there's something going on the court and something not going on the court. Um, we want to make sure that, you know, and basketball lends itself to being an exciting game and there's lots of stuff going on and very few breaks. And when there are breaks, let's take the court and do some activations and some stuff. So all our teams are really prepared for that. They've been waiting for a couple of years to be able to really get back to normal so you'll, as a fan will come, you'll hear lots of music. Uh, there'll be lots of noise, lots of excitement, lots of giveaways, uh, great basketball action. I think you'll definitely be uh, impressed with it and, and feel like you got your money's worth. And that's really the most important thing. Yeah. And has that sort of excitement been reflected? Obviously, venues and markets are a little bit different from coast to coast there. But has that been reflected in the at least early season ticket sales and season ticket packages when you've been talking to the franchises? Like, are they up compared to, let's rewind a couple of years ago when there weren't restrictions? Yeah, everybody's up. Everybody's trending uh, a lot better than obviously um the last couple of years but even you know way ahead of where we were in 2019 this time mm-hmm. so that's that's very encouraging 
you know, uh, there's still some proof of concept in certain markets, right? That it, for many people, they're just hearing about us for the first time this year, let's say with the addition of Newfoundland and Montreal and, and uh, Scarborough. So there's still some onboarding of new fans. We certainly have all our existing fans and we picked up new along the way. Um, you know, I, I know there'll be a sellout in Montreal. I know there'll be a sellout in Fraser Valley. We moved to Langley. Um, I know that we're nearing sellouts in some of our other markets, which is for us is, is a great way to start. Um, and then in some markets, we still have to work hard. I mean, it's, it's what it is. You know, some markets are softer than others. Some need a little bit more uh, TLC and, and some are just raring to go. So uh, that's the business of sport. I mean, and it's, you own nine of the 10 franchises, you got to have your finger on the pulse of everything. And it's not like one size fits all. Uh, but we have the engagement level off the court. And like I said, you know, from followers and viewers and, and people logging into our website or, or trying to find out more, that has grown exponentially, you know, in the 60, 70, 100% year over year. So that's the stuff that we watch, um, you know, broadcast for us and where our broadcasts are going is important. The content we deliver is important. You know, getting on new partners is important, whether it's a betting category or other categories, because now it expands what we're doing. So, you know, those things are all starting to, to gel. And um, we're still at the beginning. We still got more to do, but it's, it's, I, I'm very excited about what the season brings. Amazing. For those that are listening who want to tune in and check out some CEBL action, maybe they can't make it to a game themselves this year, but where are you guys streaming? Where can they find games? Where's all of that being able to be found online or on television? Yeah. If you're, if you're in Canada, you can watch our games for free just about anywhere. Um, the best places to go are obviously CBC. We have uh, 107 games on their gem network and on cbcsports.ca. Uh, 10 of those games will be on the linear uh, live network on, on the station. Um, those same 107 games can be found on our own uh, network, CBL Plus. You can get that through our, um, our website, or we're just launching an app today, as a matter of fact, which will be able to house the OTT platform, the CBL Plus platform right in your phone. Um, and then if you're outside of, of Canada, you can watch again through our the CBL Plus platform and register and any other partners that we're working on now in the broadcast space. So um, we're easily accessible. Uh, certainly our, our goal was to provide um, an opportunity for all fans to watch us for nothing. Um, I, I thought that it's important that people see who we are before we ask them to pay to see us uh, if they're not in the arena. So, um, you know, you, you can't miss the action if you, if you don't want to. You can, you can find it and uh, the best source of information is cbl.ca and then from there you can you can figure out the rest amazing well mike we appreciate you taking some time to sit down with us you're a busy man like you said you got some apps launching today the season's kicking off later this month and the championships being hosted here in the nation's capital ottawa later this summer we wish you all the best ahead of the 2022 season Awesome. Well, listen, it, for our Ottawa fans, I mean, go check out a blackjack game. It, it is going to be exciting and get ready for championship weekend. It will be a load of fun. I promise you that.
And that's a wrap for another episode of the Dine Sports Podcast on the Dine Sports Podcast Network. As always, a huge thank you goes out to our guest today, CEBL Commissioner Mike Morreale, for sitting down with us and talking all things hoops, Canada basketball, CEBL, and what's in store for the league coming up for their 2022 season. If you like what you heard, be sure to like, share, subscribe, go and check out dinespressbox.com and some of the content we're putting up there. We'll have tons of CEBL exclusives and content getting posted there fairly regularly and if you want to go and check out any cebl games be sure to use the promo code dine sports d-y-n-e-s sports with an s at the end of it no spaces in between all one word at our partners over at SeatGeek. you'll get 20 bucks off your first purchase by putting in the promo code dine sports save yourself some money check out some high level basketball action i promise you won't regret it and who knows if you're in the scarborough area go and check out j cole in his canadian elite basketball league debut until next time folks we've got some more great guests coming your way next week stay safe everyone enjoy the long weekend we'll see you in a bit Thank you.